This is the Hymn Publications Podcast. I'm Chad Harrington. Today we're featuring Brian Molitor on vital advice for mentoring young people. This episode is from a webinar we did in partnership with National House of Hope, which is an organization that helps parents and mentors bring healing to teens through residential programs. So this episode is for parents and mentors of kids of all ages, but it's got a special focus, I would say, on preteens and teens. As a parent myself, I was deeply encouraged by Brian's perspective. He encourages parents to intentionally mentor, and he gives four pieces of advice that have the potential to change the trajectory of a young person's life if you as the mentor incorporate them into your life. And he articulates the difference between independence, codependence, and interdependence, pointing the way toward healthy interdependence as the best option for parents and mentors. No matter where you're at in your journey as a mentor, be encouraged and equipped by Brian Molitor. By the way, Brian wrote a book for mentors to use with their young person. It's 52 simple life lessons for the next generation. If you're thinking, I want to be a mentor, but I don't know what to actually teach them, this book is for you. Each lesson is short and practical and important. And it has discussion questions and a single scripture verse so that you can discuss the lesson with your young person. You can get this book at himpublications.com. That's himpublications.com. Search for mentoring moments at himpublications.com or click on the link in the show notes. Here's Brian starting with an answer to the question, why did you write this book? Here you go. What motivated me to write the book? I, I had written a couple books in the past, one about raising uh, boys called Boys Passage, Man's Journey. Another one was about raising girls called Girls Passage, Father's Duty. And uh, in those books, um, I put forth the notion that just as we plan for a wide variety of things, we plan for vacations, we plan for retirement, we could actually have plans, very specific plans to raise our children. And so the plan included three fundamental things. And the first was called lifelong mentoring. The second was called intentional blessing with our encouraging, affirming words, appropriate touch and prayer. And then the third was uh, a rite of passage for today's youth. And so we went through that in the books and then we started doing conferences and seminars and TV shows about these concepts. And everybody seemed to get the intentional blessing, not too hard, say nice things, use your hands wisely and appropriately and pray for the next generation, got that. They understood the concept of the rite of passage. In other words, there would be a time generally in the teen years when a son or a daughter would go through um, a really neat event that we describe in those books, and, and that would be their time of passing from child to adult. So they got that. The hardest one, it seems, was this concept of mentoring. Let me, let me give this a shot. So I got with my daughter, Jenny, and my son, Chris, and my son, Stephen, and my son, Daniel, and we, we put together 52 life lessons. I said, what is it that young people need to really understand if they're going to be successful in this life? And there was a spiritual dimension to that. Fantastic. Um, but there were also some very I'll call it natural or very practical things that young people needed to understand. And so what we did is we put together this book. And so 
It's designed one lesson per week for a full year. One hour a week will make all the difference in the world. And so we want parents to get this book, to read it through with their young people, to have discussions. I'll tell you more about how that works. But that's really why this thing was put together. And, and now I heard this collective sigh of relief for all the great people that we've worked with and ministered to um, when they understood that there was a resource there. They didn't have to sit down and think up a whole bunch of stuff and what am I going to teach the kids? It's all right there. Now, um, Jesus taught his disciples. He mentored them, if you will as they walk together through life. And so sitting down for one hour with a young person in your life or a group of young people or for youth pastors for a whole bunch of young people, uh, that's not to take the place of walking together through life, but man, can it establish foundational truths that young people then can take into their heart, into their minds, think about throughout the week, see applications of that lesson throughout the week, and then come back together for more discussion. So that's really how this whole thing got started. And um, it was so neat that, that I, I got connected with Chad. It came, as God does so many times, through another person uh, that I was connected to several years ago when I spoke in, I think it was Kansas City. And uh, next thing you know, we've got a partnership and we're doing this book together and, and it's, been, it's been really cool. It's been really great. Now, mentoring moments. Here's a fun fact. This is an extra credit question. So you get, you get a, lot, a lot of points if you get this right. I don't know what that'll get you, but you get points, right? So where does the concept of mentoring come from? Anybody know? I'll, I'll wait. I see some hands raised back there. Um, it comes from ancient mythology, believe it or not. There was a book written a gazillion years ago about a gentleman, his name was Odysseus. And Odysseus, he was a family guy, but he went off to fight somebody else's war. Don't get me started on that one. Um, and he was going to be gone a long time. And he had a son. His son's name was Telemachus. Telemachus. Um, I'm just picturing his mother calling him to come in. That just doesn't ring very well with me. But anyway, Odysseus has a son, Telemachus. And so Odysseus says, well, son, I got to go. But before he left, Odysseus made a really good decision. He found another gentleman to watch over his son and his son's development because he's going off to war, you know, in, in the ancient country. He didn't know how long he was going to be gone. And you know what his friend's name was? Mentor. His name was Mentor. Isn't that cool? So, so Mentor watched over Telemachus as his, as his actual dad was gone. And don't we see that so many times in today's world, in today's society? We have so many young people that don't have, they don't grow up in a two-parent home. And I don't spend one second lamenting that, but I do acknowledge that it's going on. And sons and daughters, boys and girls, they need both that mother's love and the father's love. They need both of them connected. Now, that's God's best plan. But sometimes God's best plans don't play out because of decisions we make. 
And sometimes it has nothing to do with a the decision. There can be tragedies and we can lose people. And that's where mentoring comes in. Now we should be mentoring, teaching, training our own children, of course. But you know what? There's so many young people, like the young people that National Houses of Hope and then the affiliate Houses of Hope take care of. Somebody has to step into that gap. Somebody has to be that mentor to a young Telemachus, and I don't know what Telemachus's sister would have been called, probably something unpronounceable, but somebody has to step in and provide the insights necessary for those young people to grow into mature adults. You know, this is so vitally important. I learned something not too long ago that 80% of the young people on the street, kids living on the street, were emancipated foster youth. Because at age 18, they age out, it's, it's said. And if they don't have the skills, the insight necessary to succeed, not just survive, survival's not all that hard, but success, living a life worthy of, of what God has prepared you for, that's tough. So this mentoring is absolutely essential absolutely essential. So, you know, you go, well, Brian, why, what's the big deal? You know, just a couple of lessons here, a couple of lessons there. Let me tell you something. Young people have a different mindset than what we might have. Can I get an amen? I can hear it all the way here in Midland, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> they have a different mindset and, and they, they have, uh, they see few options they see no consequences, and their time frame reference is always short term. You see that? So if I don't understand I have options, when Billy Bob breaks my heart or Mary Jane leaves me uh, and doesn't want to go to prom with me, all of a sudden, I'm ready to do crazy, horrible things to myself because I don't understand I have options. If I'm going to do things that harm me, it's because I don't recognize the consequences. And if I'm pushed to the absolute edge and literally want to end it all, it's because my time frame is so short and I don't understand that morning by morning there will be new mercies that I can see. And if I can just get through one more day tomorrow, will be better. So that's why it's that, it's that mindset of young people. It's why they need a mature adult like you that can come alongside, whether it's your natural child, your spiritual child, your foster child, your grandchild, adoptive child, whatever it is. If you work in a ministry and you're a pastor, you're a volunteer, imagine the power of an adult like you that comes alongside and appropriately touches a child, says kind things to that child, prays for that child, begins to teach the child how to navigate through the crazy life in which they find themselves. Oh my goodness. It literally changes the trajectory of every young person that is blessed to have somebody like you, a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, somebody that works at a house of hope 
just to come alongside and begin that mentoring process. Now, the, um, the power of mentoring here, I think, is released. It's kind of like an aroma of coffee. It's, it's released when you grind up the beans and you, and, you, and you bring it in water, and there's this process you have to go through. So there's a few key things that, that I want to share with you about mentoring, how, how mentoring really works. There's four things you have to have. If you're going to be a great mentor, um, this book is an, an excellent resource for you, but you got to have some other things in place here. Okay, just having a book doesn't do it any more than having the Bible sitting on the coffee table that we dust once in a while. Nah, you kind of got to use it, read it, right? Um, none of you would do that, but I read about somebody that did. Anyway, if you're going to be a good mentor, number one, you have to have regular time together. Regular time together. Now, that is not coming in at the end of a long day and going, hi, kids. How's it going? How was your day? And their response is, fine. Go, great. We had a moment. We bonded. No, wrong, cut. No, you didn't. You've got to have regular time together. And in today's crazy world, that can be difficult. Now, in recent months, maybe it wasn't as difficult. Maybe there was a little too much time together. But you've got to set aside time if you're going to really connect with and mentor a young person. And as Chad shared, uh, a young person um, for the book, about 10 on up, there's no maximum age, but just for life lessons and to receive the blessing from us through our appropriate touch, our encouraging words and our prayer, man, that starts when that little one first shows up. Now, we've got a, we've got a new grandbaby in the family here, and that little one is receiving good, encouraging words, great touch. There's no mentoring going on right now because it's all tactile and it's all that beautiful sound and the smells that they receive. And that gentle touch of a mother, the gentle touch of a father, of a grandmother. My wife went to, to visit the little one. I wasn't able to go uh, out in Texas. And um, I would try to call once in a while, you know, hey, honey, how you doing? And, um, and oftentimes there wouldn't, it, she wouldn't pick up. And then, and, and then afterwards she would say, I had a little one on my lap. I was just loving on this little one. That's how it's supposed to be for every person that's ever been born. Sadly, it isn't how it is. But again, we don't complain about these things. What we do is we make a plan and we bring about some change. So if you're going to mentor somebody, number one, you have to have time together. Kathy, my wife spent nine days with that little one and with the parents, you know, my son, Danny and his wife, um, Chai. And it was awesome. They had time together. The next thing that you have to have is open communication, open communication. You've got to be able to talk about anything. And, um, the, you know, the taboo subject back in the old days was SEX. Can I, can I say that? Okay. Sorry. It slipped out today. Young people, not a lot of mysteries. Have you noticed? There's not a lot of mysteries with the access that young people have to information these days. Wow. There's not much that they're not being exposed to. So if you're struggling with that issue, like, oh, I don't know what to say, how to talk about it, 
um, you need to get over that because your input, whether you're the mom, the dad, the grandma, the grandpa, the mentor, the, the staff person at a, at a National House of Hope uh, ministry, you've got to be able to deal with any of those issues. And don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Right. We're not we're, we're not to be judges. We can pass judgment on certain actions and behaviors. But what's going on around people, uh, they just need to know we're that safe place that they can download and then get feedback from a responsible adult as opposed to just hearing what somebody else is going to tell them on the playground or at the schoolyard or wherever, right? So it's time together. It's open communication. Now, the next one is a positive relationship. A positive relationship. In other words, mom or dad, you can't spend the whole week being snarky and snarly. That's a real word, snarky. Maybe it's not. Anyway, you know what I mean? Uh, being negative and being on the case of your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter. And it's always, get over there and do that. What's wrong with you? Come on, clean your room. You know, you never da ba 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 And then, oh, boing. Hey, it's time to do mentoring moments. Let's sit down and have a good discussion. <laughs> you can't do that. So you have to understand something really, really important. As a parent or a grandparent, you've got about 18 years maximum, maximum to lay a foundation upon which that young person will build for half a century, for half a century. The other thing you need to understand is, this is a tough one, they're not yours. They're not yours. I have four children of my own and it, it was a blast of revelation when I understood that while I participated in bringing them to earth, God created them. They belong to God. They came from God. They will go back to God. And I am simply a steward in the meantime. I'm just a steward in the meantime. So we've got to spend uh, time together. We have to have open communication. We have to have positive relationships. And by the way, that means don't fight over things that don't matter. Don't fight over those things. It's so weird. The, the stuff that we get so excited about and angry about, and we, man, we just want to take a hard stand with our kids. In retrospect, we'll often see that really didn't matter. When I was growing up, these horrible people called the Beatles came from overseas and they had long hair. And so my poor dad, he was a, he was an ex-military guy and everything was spit and polished. And he used to do this thing, try to make your bed so you could bounce a quarter off it. And I never could figure that out. But uh, so he's a tough guy. And, and he knew that hair should not touch your ears or, the, or the, your collar. And so, um, you know, we see the Beatles. And so he got this societal influence on my brother and, and me. And we want our hair to grow a little bit longer. And I mean, when that hair touched an earlobe or the top of your ear, dad would come unglued, right? And that created big battles. I mean, we had big fights over that because we're trying to be cool 
you know, we're trying to fit in with our society and, uh, and dad sees it a different way. So, uh, so I tried to learn this lesson, right? So my number two son, Stephen, when he was about 14, he came to me. Now his coloration is about the same as mine, kind of dark. And uh, he came to me and he says, dad, I got an idea. That's always frightening for, for father, but okay, what do you got? He goes, I want to put gold tips in my hair. Gold tips. Now, if I, can I just confide in you? I thought that was the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. But I go, all right, I'll bite. How, how do you do it? He goes, well, you put a, a plastic bag on your head, you poke holes in it, you pull hair through, and then you put this stuff on it, and then you sit around with this bag on your head for a while. And it's just getting worse and worse. And then after a while, you take it off and you have gold tips in your hair. Man, I'm just ready to lay him out. Just, oh, this is crazy. This isn't going to work. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't want my son running around with gold tips in his hair and all this stuff. Well, guess what? I remembered my own dad and the battles we had over hair, which I realized it doesn't matter. I don't care what my son's hair looks like because I want to spend time together. I want to have open communication and I want to have a positive relationship. And while everything in me wanted to go, no way. What came out of my mouth was, I'll help you. Wow. So next thing I know, I'm sitting there and he's got this bag and we're doing this slather it up with stuff and he takes it off. And, and for the next month, he had gold tips in his hair. And I, all I said was, looks cool. All right. And then I had to go repent because I know I lied. But um, a month later, they grew out. He got a haircut. They went away. Never had to deal with that again. Don't fight wrong battles with your children or the people that you're mentoring. Make sure if you take a stand, it has to be a stand on values and principles, not hair and a weird tie-dyed shirt or whatever. Are you with me? Okay. You, you establish your ground rules and your boundaries, but boy, don't, don't you pick a fight over something that just doesn't matter. Okay. Here's the fourth thing that if you're going to be a good mentor, you need to have in place. And that's predetermined life lessons, predetermined life lessons. Why is that important? Well, here's why. Um, do you want to be a positive mentor or a negative mentor? I'll wait. Positive. Good. Do you want to be a positive parent or a negative parent? I want to be positive, Brian. Why are you even asking me that? Here's why. Because if you don't have predetermined life lessons, in other words, if you don't really understand what you're looking for from your children, all right, I want them to be hard workers. I want them to be kind to one another. I want them to know how to save money and invest their money. I want them to know how to keep things neat around them. You know, pick the lessons, whatever it is. If you don't determine that and explain that, that son or daughter or young person, this is what we're looking for from you, then when you see those good things happening, because in your mind it's expected and it's normal, you know what you tend to do? You ignore it. You don't speak to it because, well, it's supposed to happen. You know, they're supposed to keep their room neat. They're not supposed to, you know, dunk the, the little sister in the in the pool and and laugh about it no when when we see them doing good things 
we tend to be silent. So then when are we interacting? We interact with the next generation when they get something wrong. Ugh. And so what they hear from us, instead of this mentor mentality of, wow, way to go, encouragement. Hey, you, you, you picked up after yourself. That was awesome. Hey, you helped grandma. You, you decided to do that just on your own. Well, I really appreciate how you interacted with, the, with that other group of the opposite gender, how you treated those young ladies or that young man. I really respect that it, uh, you, you get me. So you want to be positive, not negative. And if the, the right way to do that is to be a mentor that has predetermined things that you want to see from the young people, explain what you're looking for, and then catch them doing right. Oh man, it's so fun. We catch them doing right. And then we get to affirm as opposed to simply tell them, no, wrong, bad, dumb. Are you with me? So that, that's, that's really, really, really important. Um, the other thing I want you to know is this. The young people under your care, whether that's a young person that's come to a National House of Hope or to an affiliate, right, to be ministered to, or that's your son, your daughter, or if you're a grandparent or foster parent, adopted parent, uh, whoever you are, that young person comes under your care. They'll be there for a season and then they're going to go, right? Is that not true, right? It's kind of the, it's the, it's the not so funny running joke in the United States anyway of the 40 year old living in mom's basement, right? Uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. I mean, that, that's the only reason why that's a running joke. It's like, no, that, no, but half, half, a, half an age ago, that individual should have moved on and become a successful part of society. So they're here for that limited time. You get that 18 years or so to lay that foundation, then they're going to go and they're going to move off and then they're going to do something with it. All right. So, so what? Well, you have to understand that not every young person leaves home in the right way. Have you noticed? There's only three options. Number one is premature independence, premature independence. And that's where a parent or an authority figure, a mentor um, is so harsh, controlling, right? Boom, 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 do it my way, that they make that young person feel kind of trapped, okay? And, and you have to understand, you can't leave the God factor out of here because God created us to be interdependent beings on one another and certainly with God, depending on God and interacting with those around us. So the independence is it's building in us, really, I believe, from the second we take our first breath, is that there is something we're called to do, Right. There's something we're called to do. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared for us in advance, right? That's in Ephesians. So, so here's this young person feeling there's a calling there. There's something that's supposed to be happening. And yet every time he or she turns around, what happens? There's an adult going, no, can't, stop, dumb, I'll think for you. 
don't dare move, you're nothing without me. That kind of a mindset is, is imparted. Well, the independence in that young person finally takes hold. And the young person says, I can't do this anymore. Now, obviously, if there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, things like that, that'll push them out even quicker. But this premature independence leaves a rip between the adult and the next generation. It is a horrible thing. And so many of our young people that are lost today, they are independent, but prematurely. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They went off on their own and now they're suffering. So that's option one. We don't want that one. Here's another one that's not quite as profound. Um, it's not quite as you know flashy, but it's just as bad. And it's unhealthy codependence. Unhealthy codependence. So remember in the first one, there's just this ripping and then you go your separate ways. Unhealthy codependence there's supposed to be this lengthening of the cord that ties together an adult and a young person, but instead of lengthening, it becomes an entanglement. And this is where there's this smothering that takes place and mommy and daddy continue to treat young people as if they're uh, tiny children. And they never, they never move away from, from being you know, those controllers that you have to be when a child is young because they're just kind of boneheads when they're real little. They don't know how to stay out of trouble. They don't know how to stay safe. So you have to do a lot of telling. But as they grow older, you've got to shift into more selling. You have to give more freedom. And if you don't do that, right, you get that ripping interdependence. But if, you're, if mommy and daddy are doing everything for you, and you never are taught how to step into your own calling, your own uh, life. You get unhealthy codependence, where I can't leave mommy, mommy can't leave me. It's not good. And and I'll bet some of you know people just like that. So okay, that's gloom and doom, Brian. Is, is <laughs> got any good options? Yes, I do. It's called healthy interdependence. Healthy interdependence. This is how it's supposed to be. We are to, uh, and it even goes to God. God has a calling for us. God is, now be careful theologically on this one. God is dependent on us to do our calling to reach the world for him. He doesn't need anything from us, but in terms of the calling, he wants us, he gives us something to do and expects us to do it, okay? When it comes now to the, that's, that's, that's this relationship here. When it comes to the horizontal relationships, especially between parents, mentors, grandparents, and the next generation, there is to be an interdependence, an interdependence. And I've heard people say, well, I want my kids to be uh, independent. And I just laugh at them. I go, excuse me? Independent? You, you don't want them, you know, really connected to you much? Uh, well, no, that's, yeah. They're confused. What they're after is a healthy interdependence. How do I know? Malachi 4.6 says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, right? 
And when you do the word study on that beautiful passage, oh my goodness, it was life-changing when I read it. It says that the father is to turn his heart, which is the center of himself, and father, mother, parent, grandparent, right? The adult turns the heart and makes that child the, the very center of their concern. And that turning of the heart, um, we use words like <clears throat> to turn, to go back home again, to rescue and to refresh. This is what it's talking about. So what God said there in Malachi 4.6, that he wants the, the fathers, the mothers, the grandparents to rescue, to refresh, to restore, to carry again the young ones. Okay, so we got that. Here comes the awesome part. I just love this. The same words are used in the second part of that passage where God says, and the hearts of the children will be turned to the fathers. And what it means is this. We take our time. We raise those beautiful children. We give them our 18 years. And I still mentor my, my 35-year-old son. We work together. Okay? We teach leadership and all kinds of fun stuff together. I still mentor him, but we are interdependent. He's not dependent on me, and I'm not dependent on him. And the good news is, when I am old, and that will happen someday, um, those same words apply. And I fully expect that my four children and my grandchildren will want to refresh me. Rescue me, perhaps, if my health fails. They'll want to carry me again in their hearts. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And God makes it very clear in that passage that we are not to be independent from one another, right? And, oh, yeah, well, we, yeah, we touch base once in a while. No, 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 no. That heart is to stay connected. So this really is what God has in mind. And I think that the, I think the mentoring process is essential in connecting hearts. I think it provides tremendous respect for the, the adult because we know things that those young people can't possibly know. But then as they're processing and talking together with us, we learn a lot about them. Um, now, I, I get asked a lot, okay, so what kind of stuff is in, what's in the book, right? Um, let me just tell you a couple of the uh, let, me, let me tell you the process that, that I want, whether you use a, a, this book, any other book, I don't care what you use, but you, you want to have some way to kind of guide you. So pick your lessons. And the other thing you're going to want to do is you're going to have some uh, interaction with scripture, right? So what we did with this book is we put together these 52 lessons, life lessons. I'll tell you about those in a second. But um, also, um, there's a, a scripture to be looked up at the end of each lesson. Now, is it, a, is it an exhaustive Bible study? Absolutely not. That's not the point. But the point is, if you can get a young person to look up even one scripture a week and find the wisdom that's contained in the Bible, they are now we're teaching them where to find answers. Isn't that good? There's no way that as an adult, as a mentor, you can provide every answer for a young person. But if you teach them 
how do you how do you gather information, especially spiritual, life-giving information? How cool is that? So the way we put the book together is, at the start of each lesson, there's a quote from a famous person, not a scripture. So you might, Mark Twain might be uh, at, the, at the head of one of the, the lessons, and he said things like, the only person that enjoys change is a baby with a wet diaper. Yeah, that, now that's funny, but um, it's, it's just to provoke thought in young people, and it gets them away from their phone, you know, where they're not just staring at life six inches away. And then the lesson is generally about a page and a half. That's all it is. It's a very short lesson. At the end of the lesson, there will be um, four questions and then that one scripture, uh, just chapter and verse. We don't, we don't tell them the scripture because I want them to go look it up. So to have a mentoring, a good mentoring session, sit down, have a life lesson prepared, which you can pull out of a book like this or create your own, and a Bible and probably a pad of paper to maybe make a few notes, right? And then you just sit with a young person, you talk through the lesson, and then, this will be hard for some people, then shh, let them talk. Let the young person process, this is what I've learned. This is, this is what I take away from that. And you might ask something like, you know, using that goofy Mark Twain one, um, do you like change in your life? And you'll find some people love change. Man, they're just life of the party. They can't wait to do something different. And so they might get bored sitting around the house. We need to know that. The next young person might be a younger brother, younger sister, or somebody else in the youth group says, uh, I hate change. <laughs> Man, I, no, I, I, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, that's somebody that perhaps we need to bring out a little bit more, you see? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real easy thing to do. And literally in an hour a week, you can, you can change the life of a young person. Um, here's a couple of, I'm just, I'm cheat sheet because I don't have this memorized, but, oh, I love the fact that my buddy, Kirk Cameron, you know, Kirk, fantastic guy. Um, we had the neatest way of connecting and he was uh, gracious enough to write the forward here for this thing. Um, but the first lesson is there's a reason you're here. There's a reason you're here. And it talks to young people about how important he or she is. And you know, oh, anybody knows that. No, they don't. No, they don't. And there's too many young people today that are hurting themselves, literally taking themselves out because they don't understand how important they are and that there is a reason for them to be here. All right. So that's where we that's the foundational lesson here. And then get this. This is kind of funny. Lesson number two is life is not all about you. <laughs> so you go, whoa, that's a paradox. That, that's not right. It seems contradictive. It's not at all, is it? You think about it. You need to know you're important. Love your neighbor as yourself. OK, so love myself. So I'm important. I love God first. I love myself and I love my neighbor. I'm important. So is my neighbor. And so we're laying a foundation upon which a young person can build a great life. Some of the other ones, uh, lessons about absolutes. Uh, family is messy, but it's worth it. That's kind of a fun one. The bottom is a fine place to start. That's where, you know, young people, they don't want to flip hamburgers. They want to, they want to be the CEO. Doesn't work like that, right? So money can't buy happiness. However, 
you need to work, you need to earn money. Um, the price is wrong, which is a discussion about how do you negotiate? These are life lessons, all right? Life lessons. It's okay to disagree. Only statues are passive and silent. Who's in your flock? Remember the old birds of a feather thing? Um, unnecessary debt is dumb. Can you see what we're doing? We're laying a foundation for these young people. Uh, drugs make sick people well and well people sick, right? An attitude of gratitude, faith your fears, um, consider your words carefully. And like I say, there's 52 lessons in there. And the goal is to just take people, walk people through for a year, take a young person an hour a week and covering something like this, this book would be a great one for you. If you got a better one, go get it. I don't know of one that's out there or I would have been using it. An hour a week will change the direction of the young people in your life. I'm excited that this thing's out there.